tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Recorded live. Hello, beloved ones. This is Bishop Dr. Lawrence Mwamba here in Dallas, Texas with my wife, Tarina Mwamba. We are here broadcasting live on talk show from Dallas, Texas, the United States of America. Um, I'm a presiding bishop over the Word of Life Bible Church Fellowship International here in Dallas, Texas, the United States of America, and also the Pentecostal Believers Church of God Incorporated International in Luisha, Zambia. Uh, the ministry was founded in 1985, and it has been running ever since. We have a Bible school, a main church. We have three missionary residences. We have an orphanage, and we have a primary school, grades one to seven. We have three missionary homes and a big mansion for the family. And so I'm here in the United States, and we are building another work here under the Word of Life Bible Church Fellowship International and the Word of Life Bible College Dallas campus. This school is an online school, and we have seen a lot of blessings upon the students who have been studying with us. Beloved ones, you are very welcome if you want to be a student. You can uh, always send us, um, uh, you know, um, your email to Word of Life Bible College 777 at gmail.com. Or you can send it to our church, Word of Life Bible Church, and it is uh, 242 at gmail.com. I'd like to remind you that this year we are arranging a big convocation here in Dallas, Texas, a conference whereby we are bringing ministers from around the world. We are bringing ministers who are going to come all the way up from the United Kingdom, from Africa, and across the globe. You are very welcome if you want to attend. You just need to send us an email again to Word of Life Bible Church 242 at gmail.com and let us know how many are coming from your church, which country you are coming from, and um, we'll communicate with you. We'll put your name into what we have uh, on Messenger as the Latter-day Leadership Conference here in Dallas, Texas. Well, we're still working on getting our speakers, but we have so far had a number of speakers who are going to speak at this meeting. And once the brochures are done, we'll be mailing and sending you copies of the conference. Well, yesterday I scheduled a teaching here on the community call, and that teaching was pertaining to the scriptures which I've got on today. Uh, we missed that teaching because of some circumstances beyond our control. But tonight I thought I should go ahead and teach from the Word of God. The title of our teaching today is that Jesus is rejected at Nazareth. Jesus is rejected at Nazareth. Shall we look to the Lord in prayer? Father, we do bless and thank you 
that thou art a God of mercy and compassion. And the Lord, you don't want your children to experience rejection of any kind because you have sent us on a mission to preach and propagate the gospel to the four corners of the world. I therefore pray for a special anointing, even as I minister at this very hour to your people. I ask the Holy Ghost to take preeminence right now. In Jesus' name I pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Well, I'm going to read the scriptures where Jesus was rejected in the gospel according to St. Matthew and chapter number 4. I'm reading from verse 16 going down to verse number 26. Listen to the word of the Lord. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on a Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And obey him witness, and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said unto them, You will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have had done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he said, Verily I say unto you, No prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elijah sent, save unto Zarephath, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. Verse 27. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elijah, the prophet, and none of them were, was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him unto the brow of the hill whereon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. But he, passing through the midst of them, he went his way. And he came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Now, here we have an account of the Lord Jesus. Remember, Jesus, when he was born in Nazareth, in Bethlehem, he was born at a time when the king, Herod, when he heard the news that Jesus was born, he wanted to destroy all the children who were two years and under. There was a heavy massacre of children who were born in that land, but the Spirit of the Lord, the angel of the Lord, came to Joseph, the father of Jesus, and Mary and told Joseph to flee Bethlehem and go to Egypt. So the father of uh, 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 Jesus, who is Joseph and Mary, 
the uh, Gothic, the camel and whatever stuff they had, and fled Bethlehem and Nazareth, whatever it was, and left for Egypt. There he was until I think he was 12 years old. That's when they came back after Herod had died. They came back to Nazareth. That's where Jesus grew up. But we see one thing. When Jesus was growing up in Nazareth, there was what we call a familiarity spirit. A spirit of familiarity. They knew Jesus so well to the extent that since they knew him so well, they never regarded him to be master. They never regarded him to be Lord. Even when he came and he was about to start ministry, they looked at him just like anybody else in Nazareth. They never saw that the hand of the Lord was upon Jesus. But you see, that's the deception that the devil brings upon men and women of God. Familiarity, like the Proverbs say, breeds contempt. When we are familiar so much with the things of God, we tend to miss the realities of God. In this instance, the people of Nazareth knew Jesus from the carnal side. They knew the father Joseph. They knew Mary. They knew the father that was a carpenter. And they had seen Jesus so many times. To the extent that when Jesus came to the synagogue at the time when the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and the Bible said, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. When Jesus read this scripture, the Bible said he closed the book, and every eye was fastened on him. And he said to them, I say unto you, that this day this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. And they were really upset. You know, in our lives, when the things we are familiar with, are getting to be fulfilled, we do not believe it. We, we, we seem to expect something else. We say, well, no, I think the anointing is not on John. I think the anointing is not on Peter. Can God be with Peter? Peter, I know him so much. He lives at such and such a place. You know, his mother and father, such and such and such and such. We know people too well that we you know, um, strip them of the honor that God has placed upon their lives. We think from our own imagination and thinking that God cannot use such kind of a people. And that is a sin to God. Because you see, God anoints vessels that we do not expect. You know, that's why he gave an example here. He said when Elijah was sent, for protection and refuge after he called for a famine in the land of Israel. He said that God did not send him to any of the Jews, but he went to the land of Zerapah in Sidon, where a widow woman, who was so much of a stranger to the things of God, welcomed Elijah and fed him. 
And it also says that, you see, there were many lepers in Israel who had leprosy. But at the time of Elisha the prophet, he says, but none of these people were cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. Now, you see, Naaman was not a Jew. Naaman was a Syrian. That means he was a stranger to the promises of God. He was not under the covenant of God. But you see, because this person came out from afar, he believed in the God of Israel more than the very people whose God were their God. God saw his faith and healed him. You see, the widow of Zerpa was way out from the very circle of the Jews that God sent Elisha there to be fed by Elijah, to be fed by that woman miraculously because she would believe the prophet. You see, many times we who are very much exposed to the word of God, we take it very lightly. It comes to us so easy. We get preachings on Sundays. We hear preaching on radio. We hear pastors everywhere speaking the word of God and preaching. The people we are so familiar with we disqualify them in our head. We say, no, the anointing cannot be on this guy. No, the anointing cannot be on John. The anointing cannot be on Peter. The anointing cannot be on Mwamba. Why? Because, oh, Mwamba, I know him so well. I know where he works. I know where he lives. The anointing can't abide upon him. You see, familiarity causes us to miss the movement of God and the visitation of God. They were so familiar with Jesus. They looked at him and said, hey, look, oh, it's Jesus? That carpenter guy? He just makes chairs over there. You see him planning and cleaning timber, wood? Would the anointing of the Lord be upon such a person? See, the people were expecting some kind of a manifestation to come from heaven, an angel to come down, in fact, that's what they were looking for. They were looking for Elijah to come down as a prophet. To, but you see, God had already raised somebody amongst them. You see, God is not going to go to uh, Greenland to bring somebody to bring a message like here in the United States or there in Zambia or Malawi. God is going to raise prophets amongst the people where they live. See, here, I have great respect for people like Ricky Rush. He lives in South Dallas as a very big church in South Dallas. God raised him amongst the people where he lives. And eventually, because of the mighty power of God, the great workings of God, the people end up respecting the anointing upon the man of God. You see, before we are convinced that somebody is being used of God, we want to see so many miracles. We want to see certain manifestations. We want to see a mark that surely the hand of the Lord is upon this man. But you see, Jesus said to them, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. And he told them, he said, you're going to tell me, hey, you preacher, you say you've healed people. Let's see you do it here. You see, when we challenge God like that, it's, you know, that's what God said, said, tempting him. When you challenge God for a miracle just to prove that he is God, God is not going to perform a miracle like that. 
When you when we tempt God and say, okay, you say you are a man of God, make a million dollars appear. You see what I'm saying? Oh, you say you are a man of God, cause an airplane to come right now. See, that's tempting God. That's what Jesus told them. He said, you're going to say, preacher, heal yourself if you be a prophet. You see, when we start challenging the vessels that God is using, to do certain things to prove to our ass that they are men of God, we have lost track. But when we accept the man that God is raising in our time, and we say, yes, this is a vessel God is using. Oh, God, the anointing of the Lord is upon my brother here. As we accept one another in the body of Christ, we shall see great manifestations of the blessings of God. Let's stop demeaning ministries. Let's stop looking... And, uh, you know, uh, despising the works that God is starting. You know, there is a prophet, uh, a, a prophetical word in the word of God. He says, despise not the days of small beginnings. Despise means don't look at something which is starting small and say, well, where is this thing going to? Because those small things, nothing began big. Everything begins small. And when things begin small, there are people people with certain tendencies to look at those small things and to think it's nothing. No. If, if you look at the seed of the biggest tree I've ever seen, you can hold it in your hands. But listen, over time, that tree grows and becomes a giant of a tree. It's the same thing with our lives of faith. We begin small. We start moving small mountains, small hills. Then eventually we begin to move big things when we are consistent with the Spirit of God and we are doing that which God wants us to do. So Jesus was rejected in Nazareth. The reason being, people expected more than they were looking at. They thought Jesus did not qualify. They thought Jesus was not up to the level of a prophet. That same thing happens even today. We look at ministers, people we know very well. We say, hey, how can the anointing be on such a person? It cannot be. But listen to me. Once God chooses a vessel to use, no matter we believe it or not, those people are going to be raised by God and they're going to do dynamic things. So the best we can do is to accept what God has done. The best we can do is to praise him for the vessels that he's using. You see, here the Bible tells us, and he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears, and all bear witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? You see, when the anointing comes upon your life, it will begin to dazzle those who have seen they start looking at you like you came from planet next, you know. You fell from heaven or something. When they start seeing miracles happen in your life, they can't believe it. They look at you and think, hey, how can such a human being perform such wonders and miracles? How can God use such a man? You see, there was this man we know very well in the book of Judges. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And the Lord said to him, the Lord is with you, thou mighty man of valor, in the book of Judges. But then this guy said, hey, 
how can the anointing of the Lord be upon me when my, my family is the least in Israel? How can I be a mighty man of valor when we are a nobody in Israel? But God said, you are a mighty man of valor. See, when God calls upon you and tells you that you are a mighty man of valor, you better believe it. Because he is the one who deposits the anointing. It's not your anointing. It's the anointing from the Lord. So when God, when God's grace comes upon you, when the Spirit of the Lord rests upon you, you need to believe that God has imparted that miraculous power on your life and humbly accept it. But many times when the anointing comes upon us, people begin to despise. They say, well, are you really anointed? Well, is that really the Spirit of the Lord? Well, is he really being used of God? But listen to me. When the Spirit of the Lord has come upon you, in reality, and God is using you, don't question what God is doing. You understand? Start to praise him. Start to thank him. Start to say, hey, the Lord is a great God who has done such great works. Now, let me read you in this scripture uh, from the book of Judges. I'm going to read you from the book of Judges and uh, uh, Judges chapter number 6. Listen to the word of the Lord. It says here uh, uh, in verse number 13. Uh, actually, I'll start reading from verse 9. Uh, okay, let's see from verse 7. I'm going back, right? And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, Thus says the Lord, God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage. Verse 9. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But you have not obeyed my voice. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abizarite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord. If the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us uh, up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours. And you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I'll be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Now see, 
Here, Gideon, the Lord appeared to him, and he's telling him that he's a mighty man of valor. But Gideon had been in such oppression for a long time, he couldn't believe it. You see, many times we would be in such oppression for a long time that when a miracle is about to take place, we don't believe it. When we see we are so used to defeat, we are so used to seeing things not work. When God is raising up men and women to do exploits in the kingdom, we despise it and we don't believe it. But let me tell you something. God is raising men and women, just like Gideon, in these last days to do exploits in the kingdom of God, to move like here in the United States of America, move in Europe, move in Africa, bring masses upon masses into the kingdom. The time is now for you to, to discern in the spirit and realize that God is doing a new work. Recognize and uh, know the, the, the vessels that God is using like he did with Gideon. Gideon couldn't even believe it himself. Now, there are many of us ministers also, when the power of God is beginning to work and things are starting to happen, we don't seem to believe it. But I challenge you in the name of the Lord, it's time to believe in the Lord. It's time to believe that God is going to use us. What we need is people to support ministry. What we need is people to give to the work of God. I remember when I was in Africa, our the friends of mine here in Dallas who had big businesses, and they committed themselves to the ministry. I can assure you. There was a family here in Dallas. Every month they sent me $600, sometimes $1,000, sometimes $3,000, and they did it consistently, consistently, consistently. When I traveled over to the United States and the priest across the United States, churches would give me honorariums and uh, blessings of offerings, $1,000, $3,000. Even one time, a family here gave me $10,000 for the work of God. See, these people recognize that the work we were doing, the hand of the Lord was upon it. See, that's what it takes. When people realize that the work you are doing is of God, they are going to back that work. But, you know, many times when they see and think maybe it's a gimmick or something is going on funny, they tend to withhold their pockets. They put a lock on their pockets. But you know what? When people put a lock on their pockets, you know that God is going to move and bless they are weak. God is not going to let their ministers suffer. See, like with me, many times I just pick money. Like today, I was moving around where I work. I moved up, and here it was twenty dollars lying on the floor. Twenty dollars. The other time, I picked almost a hundred dollars on the floor. One time, I picked three hundred dollars just laying around like that. What am I saying? God will still provide for you even when people close their fists and they don't want to give. God will miraculously intervene and provide for you when people want you to end up in penury and have nothing. So, beloved ones, I challenge you. Whenever God raises up a work where you leave, do not despise it. Encourage the vessel 
support the work of God. And guess what? God is going to bless you too. Well, I'll be speaking to you again tomorrow. And I'm closing right now, and I want us to pray. Father, I pray for each and every one who has been listening to this broadcast. I pray that the hand of the Lord will abound upon them. Use them to your honor and to your glory. Bless us as we build your kingdom. For we ask it in Jesus' mighty name with thanksgiving. As everybody said, amen. Well, I'm signing off here in Dallas, Texas, the United States of America. Be blessed, and see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.